This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth, and unfortunately, I do not have my co-host in the studio with me tonight, which would be Maximus Hunter, but I do have my reporter here. Cut a Babcock. As well as my other reporter. Rylan Todd. And our cool sports reporter. James Hall. We have a full show for you guys tonight. We're going to kick it off with James Hall with a little bit of sports news and then a pre-recorded piece that our very own sports director Nick Baker made about the baseball game that happened earlier this week. Then we're going to dive right into Nathan Van Deal about the 70th anniversary of the Colorado State Rodeo Team. After that, we're going to take a closer look at the rodeo team with Allison Tackett's interview with the vice president. And then we're going to do a little bit of local news with Coda Babcock. You're going to want to... Uh, stay tuned for that. But first up, we have a little bit of sports with James Hall. All right, kicking things off is going to be softball. They did have a five-game tournament this past weekend, the last one before uh, Mountain West kicks off for the softball team. They went two for three, beating Purdue twice, which is actually kind of impressive seeing as the Big Ten is a huge powerhouse for both baseball and softball. Um, being able to beat them twice uh, at the, in the same weekend is definitely a big deal. However, losing to Kennesaw State both times they faced them and then losing to Idaho State, who went into this tournament as the only team with a losing record, doesn't really look well for where the season's going for the Rams at this point. But uh, like I did say, Mountain West starts this week on Friday against San Diego State. It is in San Diego for a three-game series, and that's just going to be Mountain West the rest of the way there. Um, kicking things off with other sports is going to be uh, the women's dive team. The For CSU was Skylar Williams. She finished 13 yesterday for the one-meter dive. That was the only event that has happened so far for the NCAA championship for swim and dive teams, and she came in 13th for that. As for tennis, they lost to Pomona Pitzer for uh, three to four, but that is due to the fact that they lost the doubles point due to a forfeit. One of the games wasn't played, so Pomona Pitzer got both got the point for the double, and then they also had to give up a singles match as well, giving them the one point that would have given them the win for the seven total, uh, the three to four seven total. As for baseball, they won four out of five of their games. Most of the runs were scored in the last two, where it was fourteen to four, and then fifteen to twelve. They lost game three, one to two, so that was really the only close scoring game. Other than that, the Rams put up seven runs in their other two games. Um, the Rams did have defensive struggles on Sunday, from what I saw. Quite a few, er- quite a few errors, um, a lot of mental mistakes got on the pitching staff. They kind of let the errors get in their head and kind of fumbled the game away near the end of that game five that turned out to be four, uh, 15 to 12, but. Um, they were able to come away with a victory on that one. Before that game, though, Williston State's coach told me that they had a lot of hard-hit balls just right at people, and that kind of turned over on Sunday, which does happen with baseball. The more you try and be successful, the more successful you are, the more the ball is going to fall. And they were hitting it hard all weekend. Finally, they got some success on Sunday and were able to put up 12 on the board. So that 15-12 to 12 victory for the Rams was a close one and quite the nail-biter, actually. Alrighty, and that was baseball, correct? Correct. Alrighty, and we do actually have a baseball piece by Nick Baker, our sports director. But before we do that, we did have a question for 
uh, you and for everyone in the studio. We do have a little bit of an animal-themed show today with the rodeo being a lot of our topic for today's discussion as well as a bee roundtable that we're going to have later on. And that's just going to be how have animals impacted your life? This can be anything from something really silly to something a little more heartfelt. And you can go ahead and text your answers in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. But we'll go ahead and go around the room and ask you what how animals have impacted you so go ahead james um well my uh my dog sadie had recently passed uh so that's going to be the one i talk about she was the most bright spot in my life uh her nickname was wiggles because my she was so excited she couldn't stop fully so like her front end would slow down but her back end couldn't so her back end would just wiggle so that's that's my sadie may story that is so cute how about you rylan uh yeah mine has to do with my dog as well um I had just had a dog that recently passed that I had grew up with, and my parents decided they were going to get another puppy, much to my surprise. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan, but now I love her, and she is my best friend, and I miss her every day that I'm here. So, Um, Yeah, so I kind of grew up with the zoo in my house a little bit. I have My mom currently has four dogs. We just had a rabbit pass away, and we have a cat. So kind of just like seeing them every day feeding them like it's become a major part of my life and a lot of my motivation and like basically in making sure that i do well in school so i can go home and see them uh working all those things so yeah um i had or i have a dog but it's back in the springs and her name is mimsy and i miss her all the time because i'm not able to see her because i'm three hours away but i do have two guinea pigs uh, named ludo and pippin and a funny story is i thought they were both boys and i have been Um, corrected recently that one is in fact a girl, which makes a lot of sense. But um, how have animals impacted you? We really do want to know. So go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. And while it might not be animal related, Nick Baker wants to let you know a little bit about how something has impacted CSU, and that is baseball. So you're going to want to hear his piece coming up right now. Hello and welcome back to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins coverage of CSU Club Men's Baseball. We are now setting the stage here for game four between the Williston State Tetons and the Colorado State Rams. Games one and two taken by the Rams by scores of seven to four and eight to five. Game three taken by the Tetons, score of two to one. We will see another new pitching duel here in game four uh, for the Rams and the Tetons. And looking forward to here, uh, a 3 p.m. start time here at City Park Field. If you're tuning into this uh, on KCSU 90.5, game five will be immediately following uh, this broadcast. If you want to hear more, uh, you can tune in. uh, Excuse me, you can uh, go to our website, 90.5 KCSU. Uh, has our own new website that has been completely redesigned from the old one. Still the same URL, kcsufm.com. You can find all of the games from this series as well as all of the rest of the games um, from the series, uh, from the season as they come out on our website. There will just be the five games for now, but as more games happen, more games will be added. Be sure to check back regularly for more games and content including articles and podcasts i'm nick baker and you are listening once again to csu club men's baseball here on 90.5 
KCSU Fort Collins. Uh, and a bit of a pregame here. It's time for the series news brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Review. Every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m., tune in to hear Max and Ren give you all the news in local, global, and national uh, spheres of the news. Uh, the news for this series, however, uh, like I said, the Rams lead 2-1 to one in the series, uh, looking to strike back and take the series with a victory here, uh, clinching it. Otherwise, they will have to go to a decisive fifth set or series tomorrow. Uh, that game uh, will happen either way, but the Rams, I'm sure, would love to take a victory early and often. That was the series news brought to you by Rocky Mountain Review. Uh, some other storylines for you. Uh, Alan LaRock, who is starting once again today uh, at catcher, has been a menace uh, hitting the ball and has been tearing it up for the Tetons. On the Rams side, Trent Weldon has been the 3.0 player of the game two games in a row with five stolen bases in the series, as well as several runs and a couple of doubles. Uh, four more. Be sure to keep it locked to the rest of the broadcast here on 90.5 KCSU. Fort Collins, I'll be right back with the starting lineup and pitcher breakdown here on KCSU. Keep it locked. And welcome back here to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins coverage of CSU Club Baseball. Before this game kicks off, it's time for the starting lineups brought to you by KCSU's The Ramblers, the oldest show at KCSU. Tune in every Thursday from 7 to 9 p.m. for all things CSU sports. Uh, for the visiting Williston State Tetons, Johnson leading off at first. LaRock catching, batting second, followed by David John, the DH. The third baseman, Kevin Paz, batting cleanup. Riley Rankin, uh, Tanner Boyle, and uh, Colette, excuse me, uh, that is, excuse me, that is Parker Colette. Uh, the outfielders going right field, left field, center field, respectively, batting six, seven, eight. Uh, excuse me, five, six, seven. Uh, Nate Jones, the shortstop, and fi finishing it out will be Jack Perung, the second baseman. Starting pitcher will be Kobe Fredland uh, for Williston State. On the other side for the Rams, starting pitcher will be Sam Britton. Caleb Zietlow will lead it off at third base. Adrian Juarez batting second in center field. Evan Malloy catching batting three. Uh, Trent Weldon batting four at the shortstop. Andrew Oberg first. He's batting five. Uh, Chance Johnson will get this game started off, though, quickly with a leadoff hit straight to second base. That'll be tossed on and converted for a quick out to start. It's almost like they weren't listening to my starting lineups, and they just wanted to, to get underway here. Um, we will continue with those starting lineups. Like I said, Andrew Oberg batting fifth. Uh, he is... Uh, the first baseman, Kyler Patterson, uh, has caught two games. He'll be the DH today and bat uh, sixth as a foul tip back by LaRock. Uh, we'll start his at-bat. Uh, TJ Mendoza will bat seventh and play in right field. Andre Escoffier, uh, making his first appearance here at home, uh, will be playing in left field. And Will Tash uh, will round out the lineup at second base. Another pitch in there, a ball to LaRock. LaRock uh, doing his best here uh, to really be a menace. Uh, as I said in the series preview, he has been great in this one. A lot of uh, RBIs, some doubles. He'll hit that one deep to the fence. Uh, that one is going to hit about three feet up 
on the fence for a stand-up double. Uh, LaRock just juicing it out there, and he will be on base, so the first base runner of the game for either side. Stepping into the plate will be David John, the three-hole hitter. He's had a pretty productive series as well. On the mound for CSU, that's going to be Sam Britton. Britton has played second base in two games, leading off in one of them. Uh, he is making his home appearance as a pitcher here in this one. He'll start off David John with a ball low in the zone. John doing a pretty good job of hitting the ball deep uh, and actually being more of, of a menace on the base path than one would think. That being said, he is not the fastest runner. Uh, that ball high, uh, a little bit of a, a check from John, but not enough to even have the bat go around. Just a little, little pump fake. Uh, as he'll take that for a ball, 2-0 count. Runner on second is Alan LaRock, the catcher. LaRock has played in all four games, caught three, DH'd one. John will foul that back to the backstop. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am Nick Baker. You're in the top of the first inning as Wilson State is batting and Colorado State is pitching. David John getting set, 2-1 count. Britton. Looks back the runner, gets set, kicks, fires. That's going to be fouled off over the home dugout. We now have a great time for the Jersey Watch, brought to you by the Nick Baker Show, live with Nick Baker. Same as in Game 3, the Rams in white pants, green pinstripe. They're wearing yellow jerseys with green accents, numbering, and lettering. Green caps for them. For Williston State, the visitors, green caps, and solid grays uh, with green accents uh, on the pants and the jerseys white around the lettering and numbering as John hits that deep, deep into right center field. Going back, back, back is Juarez. That will bounce off the, the, the track just in front of the fence. David John in for a stand-up double. Coming around easily will be Alan LaRock, and two batters have had tremendous impact here after a quick leadoff uh, out by Chance Johnson. One down for the Tetons, one in and one on. They lead 1-0 to zero right now. Stepping into the plate will be Kevin Paz. Paz has had a pretty productive series. Minus one glaring error at the end of the last game um, for the Tetons. The Rams did not take advantage of that error, and no harm came of it, though it is troublesome to say the least. Getting set is Paz. He'll take that first one for a strike, a curveball that just, just dropped right in there and, and, and sat down on the lap of the strike zone. A beautiful shot there for Britton into the zone. Getting set once again is Paz. Runner on second is David John. Rams do not to be up, appear to be concerned whatsoever with John as a base runner. Next one in there for a strike as well. Paz down early, 0-2. Very quick uh, work there for Britton after he hasn't looked terribly effective in the first three batters. We'll see if he's settled down here in this one. Britton with the 1-2 count as he pitches to Kaz. Kicks, fires. That is going to be hit deep into right field. Coming on is Mendoza. Mendoza ranging to foul territory. He is going to grab it, I believe. He is not going to grab it. He could not get his hand up quite in time. Looks like he nearly made contact with it, but it just went right down. He uh, put his hands out almost like a basket, and it fell between them. Uh, it'll still be a 1-2 count for Kevin Paz. Taking the mound again is Sam Britton. The weather here at City Park Field in Fort Collins is phenomenal. Great spring day as it's really heat, heated up. Uh, if you 
see a little bit of wind. It's coming from left field to right field uh, here at City Park. Uh, sunny, 64 degrees. Was cloudy for the first game, uh, but in this one, it is definitely clear skies, and uh, it, it's really starting to beat down here on a beautiful spring day. Another ball fouled off by Paz. He's staying alive here and really driving the pitch count up here early in this inning. Britton looking to uh, remain a little more effective. I'm sure this isn't the ideal start for him as he gets a beautiful swing and a miss by Paz. Had him reaching on the curveball, and that is what you want for Britton. Uh, relatively unscathed so far. Two down, one in, one on. Coming up to the plate will be Riley Rankin, the right fielder. Rankin made an appearance in game one as a pinch hitter, caught game two, and has been the right fielder in this game and the last. The Tetons going with the exact same lineup as Rankin swings and misses hard there on pitch number one, a breaking ball low in the zone. The exact same lineup for the Tetons in this game uh, as in game one, minus the pitcher, uh, which was in the first game uh, a beautiful performance uh, by number six, Brett Jacobs. We'll see if Kobe Fredland can do something in the same realm for the Tetons. I'm sure they'd really appreciate that. Big swing and a miss for Rankin. He'll go down early, 0-2 in this count. Can Britton get out of this one? Runner on second is David John. He drove in Allen the Rock just a few moments ago. Britton kicks, fires. That's in there. Looks like Evan Malloy thought it was a strike. A lot of the fielders did. They were starting to hustle off. Uh, but that will be uh, a ball. One, two, the count now to Riley Rankin. He gets set. Britton staring him down, paying little to no attention at David John. He steps off, recollects himself, and retakes the mound. Once again, one, two count as the Rams trail the Tetons early. One to zero here in the top of the first. Britton looks back. John kicks, fires. One, two count will become two, two as Britton misses low and outside to Riley Rankin. Riley Rankin trying to, uh, trying to uh, do a little something here for the Tetons as they can get up early. Runs were at a premium in game number one. Just three total scored, two for the Tetons, one for the Rams. Swing and a miss for Rankin. Drop third strike. Malloy converts down to first. That will be a strikeout for Britton, and he gets out relatively unscathed as the Rams will come to bat for their turn, Zitlo, Juarez, and Malloy do up to start the game for the Rams. And the Jersey Watch was brought to you in part by the Nick Baker Show, live with Nick Baker. You can tune in to hear myself, Sean Garber, Jonathan Boomtown Gillum, and Corey Odom uh, pitch outside to pass. Uh, going over everything that there is sports, uh, starting in the professionals and moving down to college and the local sphere. We we get you the news through games and segments so you can have just as much fun listening to it as you would have watching the game. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review here at 90.5 KCSU for Collins. And we just heard a little bit from our sports director, Nick Baker, about that 
KCSU baseball game that happened earlier this week. And if you missed any of that, you can go ahead and check it out at KCSUFM.com, as well as the interview we're about to dive in with Nathan Van Deal about the 70th anniversary of the Colorado State Rodeo team. All of that, again, is going to be at KCSUFM.com under News and Rocky Mountain Review. But we did have a question for you, and that is, how have animals impacted your life? And again, this can be something funny, something personal, something wholesome. It can be anything. So go ahead and text us in your stories to 970-491-5278. But since we have them in the studio, uh, Nathan Van Deel, do you want to tell us how animals have impacted your life personally? Oh uh, yeah, I'd say being on the rodeo team, my horses are kind of like a, they're almost like a teammate to me. So I got to work with them on a daily basis and keep them doing the things that they need to do in order to succeed with the rodeo. So I'd, I'd say they definitely impacted my life in a pretty, pretty big way. Alrighty. And since we have you here, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about what the CSU rodeo team is? Yeah. So we're one of the oldest teams in the central Colorado or central Rocky Mountain region. So this is actually our 70th anniversary, and uh, we'll be hosting our rodeo, our Skyline Stampede Rodeo from April 3rd through 5th at the BW Picket in Fort Collins. And uh, yeah, so like I said, we're one of the oldest teams. Uh, we're the first rodeo team in the, in the region, and we just provide students with a lot of different experiences as far as practice and different positions within the team. All right, so you said you were the first rodeo team in the region. What was it like being kind of that founding rodeo team? Uh, it's it's a cool experience because we get to, I don't know, we provide a basis for students to come here and keep the sport going. And uh, since we're one of the leaders in the in the sport, we get to, we we practice on a regular basis and we keep, um, we keep the sport alive. So we're just coming, coming back this season, looking to make a strong impression with the, with the, with the rodeo. All right. And you said you were one of the leaders in the region, correct? Uh, yeah, we're one of the we're one of the founding teams. Awesome. So, what kind of awards have you guys gotten as the rodeo team? Um, some of the awards we get is mostly competing at the at the rodeo. So we have ten rodeos in the uh, during our season. We have a spring and we have a fall season. And so competing in those rodeos, there's different events. Um, you know, there's like team roping, calf roping, barrels, and all that. And so we receive awards when we perform well at the rodeos. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about um, your role with the team? Uh, my role with the team, so I'm a team roper, and so I compete in the team roping at the events, but I'm also part of the, the marketing team for the rodeo team. And so what we do is we just try to gain sponsors, make, the, make students more aware, the public more aware, and just uh, try to keep our foundation going as far as we can. How did you get involved with this team? Uh, I got involved because I went to... Uh, college previously that I was on the rodeo team and then uh, I I thought it would be really cool to come to CSU and rodeo because it's one of the oldest teams and I just thought it'd be a great place to keep keep rodeoing and doing the sport I love. All right and how can other people become involved with the team? Uh, any members are welcome we're always letting people come to practice see if they like it come to our meetings and get familiar with it so if rodeo is something you're interested in that's it's a great way to get involved so as you discussed before the rodeo has been around for 70 years um how are you guys celebrating uh we're celebrating by once again hosting our rodeo and we'll also be having an official after party at the sundance steak and saloon after our rodeo all right and the organization has been around for a long time. Um, what factors contribute to its longevity? 
I'd say just the consistency of putting on rodeos, uh, supporting the cause that we're trying to, you know, keep our sport alive. And so um, we're just trying to keep going with that. Okay. And if students would want to learn more about the rodeo team, how to get involved, where can they learn that? Uh, we have a Facebook page. We've got an Instagram page. So we post a lot of updates on there, and that'll keep you updated what, with what we're doing and how you can get involved. Okay. And is there anything else you'd like to add about the CSU rodeo team? Um, I'd like to say just, yeah, we're going to be hosting a great rodeo. It's our 70th anniversary, so um, it'll be a really good place for people to uh, learn what rodeo is all about and uh, kind of just see how CSU has done this for such a long time. All right, awesome. Well, thank you for coming in the studio. Yeah. All righty, we're going to move right along to learn a little bit more about the rodeo from Allison Tackett, interviewing the vice president of the rodeo. So stay tuned for that right after the break. Colorado State Rodeo Club is one of the oldest clubs that CSU has to offer. They perform every rodeo event possible. Barrels, bulls, and everything in between. This club has it all. Today we have the Vice President, Rachel Jackson, to talk to us about the nitty-gritty details on the sport. what exactly is the rodeo club so the rodeo club is under club sports here at CSU and basically it's just an organization of kids around campus who are interested in rodeo they don't have to have competed before they don't have to have a horse basically it's just kids who know what it is and who are passionate about it and like being around it and maybe don't have a chance to do it anywhere else we've had kids who have come from a background of ranching and rodeoing their whole lives. We've had kids who have literally never even been close to a horse before. So it's a pretty special organization just because it really does introduce a wide variety of kids to what rodeo and Western lifestyle really is. Okay, so how long has the club been around? So the Rodeo Club is the oldest club on CSU's campus. It actually started in 1950. We were the first organized club on campus, and it's the oldest college rodeo in the entire nation. So we were the first club to be recognized by the National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association, and we're, we've always been entirely student-run and operated. Okay, that's awesome. So how many members do you have currently? So currently we have around 40 kids in the club. Some kind of come and go. Others are much more consistent. We have around 15 to 16 that travel to compete, uh, mostly females. Right now we're hoping to grow our male population in the next few years uh, with our growing program. And then we have our main coach, Brandon Ferguson, who is a volunteer. A women's coach, Dami Johnson, who's also a volunteer. And we have a swap for an assistant coach still available. Okay, great. So for those who don't know, can you name off some of the rodeo events and maybe describe one or two of them in detail? So the college rodeos are pretty cool because they include a lot of women's events that professional rodeos don't. So we have, for women, we have the goat tying, the breakaway roping, the barrel racing, and the mixed team roping. And then we also, of course, have our rough stock events for boys, Bronx and bulls team roping, like I said, mixed team roping, steer wrestling, calf tying, 
But yeah, I mean, it's a full rodeo. So for example, for like the women's barrel race, three barrels in a clover leaf pattern, I'm getting around them as fast as I can. For the steer wrestling, we have a hazer in one shoot in one box and steer wrestler in the other box. They nod their heads, steer comes running out. The hazer keeps the steer as close to the steer wrestler as possible and he jumps off his horse and can wrestle the steer to the ground. We also have the team roping, so a header and a healer, the header in the header's box, healer's in the healer's box. Nod their heads, steer comes out, header ropes the head of the steer, healer ropes the back two feet. Most of the events in rodeo are timed events, so fastest time wins. College rodeos also take an average, so your time in the long go, and then if you're top 10 in the long go, you go to the short go. Your time in the short go will be your average placement. Uh, we do win checks in college rodeo, so usually top three with four checks. So it's really exciting, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a very high energy sport. And then of course everyone loves the rough stock. We have the bareback riding, the bronc riding, saddle bronc riding, and the bull riding, which are pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> I think everybody's seen that at least once. Right, right. So. Um, so what is your officer position and what does your position do? So I am the 2018-2019 vice president. I am very, very lucky to have gotten this position. It was a tough race last year. Basically what I do is I'm a little bit of in the position of the disciplinarian, just kind of making sure everyone's kind of, you know, holding up their end of the deal. We don't have a whole lot of responsibilities to be team members, but just showing up and helping out and making sure you're dressed for practice and keeping your grades up and that type of thing for competing members. And then a big thing, my biggest thing is probably running the banquet during CSU Skyline Stampede. So basically I'm in charge of putting together vendors and making sure that we have food and decorations and being in charge of who's coming and making sure that the alumni are all accounted for. And it's been a big, big, big process, but it's been a lot of fun and it's been a really great experience for me, especially because I am pretty interested in event planning myself. I'm also in charge of our hospitality room, which is going to be upstairs in Atkins during the rodeo for competitors and judges and coaches and, and that kind of thing for them to come and eat during the rodeos. But really, we're all kind of all hands on deck all the time. So anywhere where I can fill in, you know, is kind of where I try to step in and be as helpful as I can and make sure we have enough kids doing their jobs and making sure things are kind of going as smoothly as easily and easily as possible. I'm really helping Erica, she's our president, she's wonderful. Making sure that kind of the things that she doesn't quite have time for, I can kind of pick up the slack for her and it really is a team effort. So the whole officer team has been really great this year and we've had a lot of work to do and I think we've done a pretty good job covering all of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So how many days a week does the team practice? So we share the arena with the Legends of Ranching, um, the classes, and the polo team. So the rodeo team gets to practice two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. On Tuesdays, we rope and buck bulls. And then Thursdays, we run barrels and some of the girls tie goats and we break away rope. So it, we try to divide up the time as easily as possible. Dammy Johnson, like I said, our women's coach, comes on Thursdays and really helps the barrel racers. That's most of the girls on the team run barrels and so we come and we get to work the pattern and the, the ground is always worked up and it's a good time for us to kind of keep an eye on each other and help each other out and it's nice to get to see everyone and, and kind of be a team for those couple of hours so practice starts at eight we kind of switched around with polo a little bit so that we could get some longer time in the arena just because it takes us so long to load stock and 
set barrels and all that. We switched with polo and so now we practice from 8 until usually about midnight or 1 o'clock. So yeah. It's a late night. But... Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how many rodeos do you guys have a semester and where are they? So we have five rodeos in the spring semester and five rodeos in the fall semester. Most of our rodeos are in Wyoming, um, our farthest one being Sheridan, which is about, I think it's like six hours. Um, and then we have Torrington, Casper, Gillette, all of those. We have one in Shadron, Nebraska, and then CSU's rodeo. And then we have one down south in Lamar. Okay, right on. So can you tell me a little bit about the Colorado State Rodeo Club 2 million by 2020? So our 2 million by 2020 is our endowment campaign. And basically we created it with the help of our biggest sponsor, Discount Tire, Nikki Holly, who is the wife of the CEO, has helped us create this endowment in order to ensure the prosperity of the club. So our current balance in there right now is 25,000 and it's been ever growing since she first since we first put that money in there and basically uh, what will happen is we'll get a six percent return on investment and so that money will kind of generate back into the program so that we can make sure uh, over longer periods of times that we're being able to continue to grow the program uh, we'll be able to hire a full-time coach Brandon is so amazing. He dedicates so much time to us, but he's only a volunteer. We're not able to pay him. We just don't have the funding right now. So we're hoping to be able to, with Brandon's help, find somebody that we can pay that will be full-time coach. Stock that's all ours. We share our stock right now with Legends of Ranching and the classrooms, which is great because it's really a cost cut for us. But having our own stock to be able to practice with would be amazing. Maybe getting some more, allotted some more practice time somewhere else that we can pay for. Just things that will really help the program grow and help draw kids to our program to, to help us not only in like the regional standings but just as an ad college in general. You know a lot of kids that do come from rodeo backgrounds that come to CSU but they're hesitant to join because we don't have a lot of the things that schools with more developed programs have in order to recruit kids for those so I know like earlier you mentioned the Skyline Stampede and that it's coming up this weekend. How much everybody's time goes into putting on this rodeo? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's our biggest event of the year. It's kind of the legacy of every officer team every year. You know, how your Skyline Stampede goes when you're an officer is how we're going to remember you because it is the biggest time for us. I mean, it's everybody. I mean, kids that we haven't seen for the first week, we're calling them, asking them to come help because it is just wild. I mean, you don't realize how much goes behind a rodeo production until you're planning one, you know? And I mean, we got to get stock contractors and judges and make sure we're communicating with 13 other teams in the region and their coaches. And we got to get stalls built and we have to make sure that we have an announcer and we have concession stands and t-shirt sales and I mean it, the list is endless. Um, and so we try to break it up by committee, make sure that there are people who are outside while people are pulling trailers in, working parking, to like I said my hospitality room upstairs, I've got girls up there hands on all weekend long. You know and then you know we're running stock through multiple times a day, we've got kids on that. We've got kids working behind the chutes. I mean, it is just, I mean, there's no area of the equine center that does not need our help right. on that weekend. Right. Um, and and it really is, it's, it's a production. And lots of people come and they expect to see a show because that's what we've done. You know, this is the 69th annual Skyline Stampede. So for the last almost 70 years, 
we have put on a production. And they expect that. We're a big college and we have the ability to do so. It's so fun and we ha the Sundance sponsors an after party every year. And it is just after all of the blood, sweat, and tears that we put in for that weekend to get and go and hang out as a team and with our friends around, all around the region and kind of take that deep breath afterwards. It's, it is such a good time and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I'm a chance for students. So last year was my first year getting to be hands-on to put on the production. And, and I just knew that this year I had to be an officer because <laughs> I was like, this is crazy and I love it. Right, so. right. It sounds really rewarding though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a great time. It really is. So what are the dates and the performance times of the rodeo? So we are rodeoing the 5th through the 7th. 5th slack will start uh, kind of in the afternoon. Performances both nights at 7 o'clock. Yeah, so the short go will be at 11 o'clock. And like I said, that's the top 10 in each event. We'll go to Sunday short round. You can expect to see like Mahalik there. She is a bro racer on our team that has won the region. For the last two years, she's amazing. We are so blessed and honored to have her on our team. And I'm sure tons of other girls will make it to our Barrel racers in particular have just skyrocketed over the last year. We've got some really great competitive girls. We've got some competitive girls in the breakaway roping that I'm expecting to see. Ferris Smith has been just killing it. The breakaway roping, her and Akai and the team roping have made it back a few times. We were really just growing competitively, not only internally as a team, but competitively as a team in and outside the arena. Brandon has talked about lots of coaches in the region have commented on how much we've grown as a team and we have a lot to be proud of. So we're really excited. Yeah, that's really awesome. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here with Absolutely. me and taking the time. And Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. We hope to see everybody at the 69th Annual Skyline Stampede. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. That was Allison Tackett, one of our reporters, and she was talking about the CSU rodeo team with the vice president. And right before that, we heard from Nathan Van Deal, who was part of the marketing team at the CSU rodeo. And if you missed either of those, they're going to be online tonight at kcsufm.com, or if you missed any part of our show... But we are going to move right along with our show and do a little bit of local news. We're going to have Rylan with campus and Coda with local. So, Coda, do you have a little bit to tell us? Yeah. All right. So, I'm Coda Babcock, and this is local news for Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. In last week's Colorado primary election, 17-year-olds who will be 18 at the time of the general election were allowed to cast their ballots. Eligible 17-year-olds cast over 10,500 ballots in the primary. This was thanks to the Colorado Votes Act, which was passed in 2019 with the support of Colorado's youngest Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold. 10,634 out of 23,504 active registered 17-year-old voters cast ballots, with a turnout rate of 45.24%. 6,841 percent of these voters, or not percent, 6,841 of these voters participated in the Democratic Party primary, while 3,235 participated in the Republican Party primary. 558 ballots were ca were still in process as of yesterday, and late-counted ballots including military and overseas ballots, as well as ballots with necessary error corrections, will be counted soon. Eligible ca Colorado voters will have two more opportunities to vote in 2020, with the state primary election taking pr place on June 30th and the general election taking place on November 3rd. For more information on the primary election's data and results, you can visit sos.state.co.us. The Colorado House of Representatives just passed HB 
96, which will give new rights and protections to residents of mobile home parks. The bill was passed with a vote of 41 to 22, and the new law ensures that mobile home residents can submit complaints about their mobile home parks without retaliation, protect their rights to privacy through notice of entry requirements, and ensure proper billing practices through transparency and utility billing statements. The bill was supported by a variety of groups, from religious groups like the Interfaith Alliance, Catholic Network, and Rodfaith Zedek, to various city governments like the city of Boulder and the city of Fort Collins. A new law for bee and pollinator protection has been advanced by the House Energy and Environment Committee. The bill passed by a vote of 7-4 to four in the committee. HB 20-1180 protects bees and other pollinating creatures in Colorado by requiring regulation of neonicotinoids and uh, sulfoxamine pesticides, with the only regulation being for indoor pests or, or the only... Bleh, yeah, the, with the only... Okay, with the only exception being for indoor pest control uses neonicotinoids and sulfoxamine pesticides attack the nervous systems of in insects and and make sure that the entire oh, and can make an entire plant poisonous for the insect my bad 37th street in loveland will be closed for the east closed east of caddo drive intersection to install a new water quality system from march 17th to 19th in 2020 a full street closure is required due to the size of the structure and the equipment needed for the project. The project will be completely finished in about three weeks. The new vault system will drain storm water through, drainage, through the drainage system under 37th Street and remove most sediments and pollutants from the water, which will then be discharged into Benson Park Pond. On March 6, 2020, around 4.30 p.m., Loveland police responded to reports of a male chasing people with a hunting knife and threatening to kill them on the Loveland bike and hiking trail near Railroad Avenue. The suspect was located by police, who used a taser to subdue and arrest him. The suspect is a 57-year-old male who is being charged with three counts of attempted homicide and one count of fel felony menacing. He is currently being detained at the Larimer County Jail while the situation is investigated. Anyone who witnessed this incident is encouraged to contact Officer Harris at 970-962-1139. I'm Koda Babcock, and you're looking at the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins, 90.5 FM. Alrighty, thank you, Coda. Yeah. We're gonna keep the news rolling along with our campus newscaster, Rylan Todd. Do you have something to tell us, Rylan? Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. This is Rylan Todd with your campus news for Tuesday, March 10th. Starting March 16th, there will be several road and parking lot closures across Colorado State University's campus. Be prepared for detours and alternative parking arrangements. From March 16th to March 20th, Pitkin Street will be closed between Meridian Avenue North, leading to Hughes Way, and Meridian Avenue East of the Canvas Stadium. The sidewalk north of Pitkin will be closed. Utility work associated with the new Meridian Village will close Meridian Avenue East of the Stadium. Through traffic will be detoured. From March 16th through July 1st, Amy Van Dyken Way on the south end of the Oval near the Administration Building will be closed to vehicle traffic. University Avenue will also be closed. Parking, lots three parking lot 350 will be closed as well. Around the horn stops and routes will be affected. The reason for the closures is to replace a water line and repair streets. For more information regarding bus detours, visit source.colostate.edu slash construction and parking and ridetransport.com. Last week, President McConnell released a statement regarding the coronavirus. Due to the many strains of the coronavirus, sorry, um, this type is being referred to specifically as COVID-19. In her statement, President McConnell said, I know that many of you are frightened and unsure. I want to assure you that we are doing all that we can to address your concerns. 
The University Health Network is continuing to work closely with partners from Laramie County Health Department, first responders across the city and county, the City of Fort Collins, CSU Systems Offices, and the Colorado Department of Higher Education. This is helping CSU <clears throat> to stay on top of new developments. The university is also gathering current information and best practices from the U.S. Centers of Disease for Disease Control and Prevention. On Sunday, Colorado State University's public safety team sent an email regarding travel plans for spring break. The team said the university has no greater responsibility than the health of our university and broader community. To honor that responsibility and out of an abundance of caution during the rapidly changing COVID-19 situation worldwide, we have made difficult decisions regarding travel, all effective immediately. All non-essential, non-athletic, university-sanctioned travel for faculty, staff, and students is suspended until further notice. All students currently studying abroad may continue in their locations. International programs are continually monitoring the students and their evolving situations. We may request students already abroad come home as the COVID-19 situation changes in the country where they are staying, the public safety team announced. The university is discouraging national and international travel during spring break. Travel within Colorado is not restricted. In their email, the public safety team warns that any campus community member who returns to campus from a destination where there is sustained COVID-19 outbreak should prepare to self-isolate or be quarantined according to the CDC guidelines in place at the time of their return to campus. It is advised by the Centers of Disease Control that travelers follow all alerts closely and are discouraged from traveling to countries with high-level travel alerts, a 2 or 3. The public safety team concludes their email by saying, Students, we urge you to discuss your travel plans with your families and emergency contacts and give them your detailed travel itinerary. Anyone who ch chooses to engage in essential university travel may risk exposure to COVID-19. There is also the risk of travel delays returning home, as well as mandatory quarantine or self-isolation upon return. Be safe, Rams. There is also a likely chance the university will close temporarily after spring break. If this happens, instructors will be asked to notify students and move their courses online to Canvas. And that is all for your campus news for today. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU. So we wanted to talk a little bit about the coronavirus, not as reporters and hosts of the Rocky Mountain Review, but more as students and how this is directly affecting us because some of us um, don't live here in Colorado. Some of us had travel plans. So what are your guys' thoughts about the coronavirus? Um, I, I personally can't go home for break, which is it's going to be the first time I haven't been able to go home for at least a little bit during a, a holiday break. So um, it means I'm going to have to miss some doctor's appointments that I was really looking forward to since um, my insurance company doesn't work with the CSU Health Network. Um, so yeah, it's just generally kind of causing a massive rift in my life at this point. But um, I understand that it's necessary and I prefer staying home than getting quarantined for two weeks. So I know that the, the um, sacrifice is worth it in some way. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Coda in the sense that it's causing a lot of statistical like issues for me right now, just trying to like figure out <laughs> what I'm doing with my life. Um, I am planning on, I'm still planning on traveling home out of state for the week, um, but it's just really stressful because I have no idea what's going to happen, and yeah, it's kind of scary, honestly. I 
heard a teacher talk about how prepared CSU was, and they said that CSU is a little more prepared than a lot of universities, which I'm thankful for. They seem like they've got this under wraps. However, I do have to throw a complaint in there about how long it's taken them to decide whether or not we're going online. And again, I want to preface this with saying I would not be in fact in impacted whether or not we went online. However, I understand there are students um, like Rylan and Coda usually who do go home during spring break. And if those students are told late into spring break that we are in mm -hmm. fact going online, that would impact how they're getting their stuff home, um, sometimes where they're gonna live for the rest of the semester because um, I think Coda brought it up that some students might wanna not continue living in the apartment if they're going to be home anyway or if they're going to be online so i think that's something that the university has to pay a little more attention to is that this is really going to impact students who don't live in colorado the most and the hardest yeah i know um you're talking about living situations too like i'm only planning to pack for a week because that's how long i'm going for and all of my other stuff is going to be in the dorm unless they tell me otherwise before i leave but i leave Friday midday so um and it's just stressful because I'm literally going across the country so there's not you know it's and it's a lot of money to I mean uh, granted uh airline tickets right now are pretty cheap but you know it's still m a lot of money to fly back home after I come back here for spring break and they go online for two weeks I understand why they're doing it I do but it's still logistically just not the helping best, me yeah. <laughs> so yeah I definitely think it's important to take this seriously um I know a lot of people uh point out that they're not like a lot of people would not be impacted by this if the coronavirus did come to Colorado and if it did spread quickly because it, it only impacts the old or people with autoimmune deficiencies um However, um, I think it was John Oliver said in a recent post that 2% of the population doesn't seem like a lot, but it is when it's people dying. So mm -hmm. while it is impacting us uh, in negative ways, I think it is important that people are taking it seriously because unfortunately when people are dying and people are getting hurt and they would be in danger if uh, CSU didn't take these precautions, it's something they have to consider. Yeah, I definitely agree, Ren. I just think that they could be a little more open with communication yeah. um, and just what they're thinking about doing. I know they say they're thinking about going online, but you can't just say you're thinking about it. you got to make a decision. Yeah, especially so for those students yeah. who will have to make travel plans. Um, but unless you guys have any final thoughts you'd like to add, I think we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, I, I think that one thing that I'm most worried about is, like, we have – as a college, we have a lot of students that have some mental health issues because during college you is like a time when a lot of people end up having extra stress and more common occurrence of depression. And basically students not being able to go to class means that we're going to have more students that need mental health services. And I don't know if CSU is completely prepared for that on top of this and the crowding that that might cause. Yeah. Yeah, that is very fair. Yeah. There's a couple things I know I'm going to miss out on if this does come to Colorado and if it does um, impact us greatly. Like, I'll miss coming to the show and doing the show with you all, but like Coda said before, I think it's sometimes the risk is, not the risk, the sacrifice, the sacrifice is going to be worth it. But you can, 
Uh, you can feel free and text us in with your thoughts about the coronavirus, how it's going to impact you as a student or a resident in Fort Collins at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. But we are going to take a break, and we are going to wrap up the show with a little bit of National Day news and some weather. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Ren Wadsworth, and we just had a really great discussion about the coronavirus and how that's going to impact us as students here at CSU. And if you missed that, it's going to be online tonight at kcsufm.com, as well as the rest of our show. But I'm just going to do a quick little recap of what national days are today. So today is March 10th, which is National Mario Day. This day is called National Mario Day because when you write the abbreviated version of the date, Mar 10, it looks like the date says Mario, but today celebrates one of the oldest and most popular video game characters and franchises around the world. Today is also National Pack Your Lunch Day, and as the name suggests, the national holiday suggests that people should begin packing their lunch. Whether you go to school, work, or anywhere else, packing your lunch has many benefits such as savings, convenience, and healthier options. Today is also National Women and Girls HIV AIDS Awareness Day. This day encourages people to get more information about HIV and AIDS and particularly how it affects women and girls. According to the CDC in 2017, there were 7,000 new cases reported, but HIV cases in women is down to 21%. The national calendar shared some important information about HIV and AIDS prevention and detection. Condom use is known to reduce the risk of transmission. Use a condom every time you have sex and be sure that it's not expired or damaged. Pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP offers hope for couples in relationships where one partner has HIV and the other doesn't. PrEP is a daily medication currently available as a pill that prevents HIV transmission and you should speak to your doctor about taking daily PrEP. Medicine has come a long way. If you're pregnant with HIV, the risk of passing it to your baby is less than 0.1% thanks to modern medicine, but it's important that you work with a healthcare professional. Don't wait. And if you're a person living with HIV, you can take your uh, medication as prescribed daily. Medication reduces your viral load, which supports you in maintaining good health and lowers your chances of transmitting HIV during sex to an HIV-negative partner. And that is all the daily news I have today, but there is something I have to do, even if my co-host unfortunately isn't here today, something that I think he might be a little angry if I didn't do it with him. And that is the weather. Of course, of course, of course, I have to do the weather. Today was cool and clear with a high of 60 degrees and minimal cloud coverage. Tomorrow, the temperatures are only going to keep on rising to a high of 65 degrees, and the clouds are going to go away to make room for the sun that should be shining all day on Wednesday. On Thursday, temperatures are going to drop, and those clouds are going to roll right back in. But be prepared, because on Friday, the high is only going to be 35 degrees, and there's a high chance of snow as you progress into Friday evening. Taking a look at your evening, the temperature should rise back up to 50 on Saturday and 57 on Sunday, both days with substantial cloud coverage. And as we move on to Monday and the beginning of your spring break, you can expect temperatures to drop to 49 with scattered showers throughout the day. If you want to know what Thursday you can expect, you're in for a snowy surprise, but you'll have to tune into the Rocky Mountain Review to hear Max talk more about that. And that is unfortunately the end of our show, but 
I've had fun. And we are going to wrap it up. But before we do that, there's a couple people I have to thank today, starting with Damien Castile. Who made that song? Right there. As well as all the music you heard on the breaks. Alrighty, a couple other people I need to thank. So our reporters, Coda Babcock and Ryland Todd, as well as our sports reporter, James Hall, and our sports director, Nick Baker, which made that awesome baseball piece you heard at the beginning of the show. We also need to thank Allison Tackett for that piece we heard about the CSU Rodeo and Nathan Van Deel, who came in and talked about the CSU Rodeo team's 70th anniversary. We have to thank everybody here at KCSU, including Julia Battles, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Monique Daniels, uh, Josh Kellogg, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Corn, Desiree Cruz, Taylor Sandal, Sam Bonifay, Yasmin Conscious, and everybody, everybody, everybody here at KCSU. We really couldn't do this without you. And of course, even though he's not here, I have to thank Max. Doing this show without you was so sad, and I missed you so much, so I hope you're listening somewhere. And... Can't wait for you to be back on Thursday. And of course, I have to thank you. I really could not do this without you, and I would not want to do it without you. You are always such a great audience, great listeners, and I love doing this show for you and with you. And with that, and with that I'll see you next time.